absolutely flawless intro. That is that has never happened. Everything went smoothly. I don't know if it's just because the sun is shining because it's December 1st. I mean, we're, we're into the last month of 2023. It's my birthday in two days. I mean, here we go. Happy early. Happy early from, you yeah. know, on behalf of the entire fan controlled fandom family uh, on contra- uh, on behalf of fan controlled sports. Uh, I can officially say happy early birthday. Thank you very much. I'm turning 30 years old. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. You don't look a day over 28. I know. 30 years old for the 17th time. Um, welcome to so your you're 3,000 years old, like yep. 4,000 years yeah. old. Yeah, yeah. I'm 30 plus 17. Um, ah. I'll be 30 plus 17. Um, welcome to Fan Control Fandom. Here we are. We made it. We made it another week. We weren't, we're off last week for the amazing holiday. How was your holiday, bro? It was incredible. Uh, I, I, I was partly responsible for cooking a meal for 20 people, including two Whoa. children. Yeah. Look at you. What, what um, was on the menu? We did, uh, my, my wife's cousin made a big old turkey, which was amazing. Uh, I did the, did I at any like point, equi- did at any point while, while cooking it, did you say, did y'all chant go birds? Oh, we, we had plenty of opportunity to chant go birds over the weekend. Cause they, they did them I'm up sure. right. But, uh, they did, yeah. I myself was responsible for uh, mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese and one or two other things. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was great. It was a really fun time. I made a toast. I wore a blazer. I, uh, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, boy, uh, for, for just a little boy in a man suit, you're doing okay. You are truly. And for those of you who don't know this man, my co-host here, Alex Enriquez, Toastmaster Supreme, the man can toast the man, the man proposed to his wife via toast in one of the most baller moves i've ever seen a human being do it was a birthday party for you that your wife had set up your at at uh cat and the fiddle for you in the middle of toasting everybody for thanking them for coming he then says let's turn this birthday party into an engagement party drops down on one knee and proposes to his wife it was incredible uh here's here's a little more backstory on this what i actually did it uh Despite having rehearsed the moment beforehand, uh, I got down on my knee, opened the ring box, and didn't say anything, and just looked at her, and just looked at her for probably, I think conservatively, it was about three and a half hours that we were doing this, while everybody, 80 people are watching, Uh, and I said, please say yes, and she said yes, and then later on, at the bars, everybody everybody had left, we were still at the bar, and I said, what was the deal with kind of leaving me hanging there, that was uh, pretty chilling, she said, you never asked. And uh, I said, horse apples, I didn't ask. And uh, we looked at a video. Turns out I just hit my knee and gopped at her like some kind of koi fish <laughs> waiting to waiting for his $25 cent ha- handful of uh, grain. And uh, yeah, I didn't say anything. So I immediately, I took the ring back off of her finger there at the bar, hit my knee, actually asked and got the yes. So that's the, the official official. So there we to, go. To, to, to really put a bow on my big time baller move. <laughs> Well, because you were talking to me when you were like, hold on one second. And then you went and did it. And it was like, wow, amazing. But uh, I had the exact opposite when I was proposing. I was like trying to talk and she was already like, yes, 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 yes. Like, Let me like ask first. Uh, Anyways, welcome to hour four of marriage talk. Um, 
Yeah, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of being married people. And so it's going to be 45 minutes of us mostly going, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What do you, what's your take on, you know, laundry? Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, what this actually is fan controlled fandom. This is the cape space. We are, we are talking about all content and where people wear capes, people wear capes as superheroes, people wear capes as knights, people wear capes as space people. They don't wear a lot of capes in, in uh, Japan when the uh, uh, kaiju attacks, but we're going to be talking about a kaiju today. The oh, yeah. kaiju, the kaiju of all kaijus. Godzilla and not the Apple TV show, the brand new Toho Entertainment Godzilla movie, Godzilla Minus One. And I hope, oh, oh boy, this was, I cannot wait to talk about this movie. Loki, the best movie of the year. I don't know. <laughs> it was pretty. We're going yeah. to get there. We're going to get yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're yeah. We're going to get there. Like, should be nominated for an Oscar, possibly. Anyway, uh, but first, we got to get into the quick pieces of nerd news. There's a stinger involved with it. Here it comes. Quick hits. Here we go. Quick, 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 quick hits. Just got a little, a little taste. That's the of- thing. On my end, I got it that it stopped perfectly. On your end, you probably got a little bit of the the second one because I got a little bit, little bit of a delay. So maybe we what got, I'll do you know is what? I'll we make- got to start doing these. We got to start doing our monkey shines live in person with each other so that we can like you know. Should I like? What if I just played the guitar live? I did that like that hot lick live. Oh, if dude, we, and like go into a little tapping, like a little Eddie Van Halen tapping, like the end of eruption there. That's uh, that'd be pretty sweet. You know, if we do this thing live though together, we'd have to have some sort of mixer. Otherwise, our two microphones would be bleeding. We have to hold one mic and like pass it back and forth <laughs> between each other. Kenny, we've been performing together for almost 20 years. I think we could handle it. Yeah, this is true. Um, big news. I don't have to talk about the strike being over. The strike's over. The strike's still going on. It's over. It's over. Stuff is working. Stuff is happening. I have an audition for a television show that's due on Monday for a, a network television show. Stuff is happening, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the biggest of the big news this week is that um, you know Daniel Destin Cretton left uh, Kang Dynasty a couple of weeks ago. They replaced the writer a couple of weeks ago. They have now officially replaced the writer of Kang Dynasty with one Michael Waldron, a.k.a. the showrunner of season one of Loki, the writer of Multiverse of Madness, was already tapped to write Avenger Secret Wars. So now he is writing parts one and two of the end of the multiverse saga, which they are still calling Avengers King Dynasty. There's nothing in this report stating that... um, he's they're gonna change it to something else or anything it's just that he is now writing whatever is happening to before uh secret wars so i i mean i'm yes great sure michael waldron guy guy has a good track record rick and rick and morty like works sure yeah yeah i was gonna say like you know to bring it back to sports i think like the we're gonna we're gonna look back and see the dan Harmon uh coaching tree of oh, like, yeah, showrunners and executive producers like the sean the, the, the sean McVeigh. yeah the sean yeah. the sean mcveigh the bell the belichick of uh, the oh I, was, I mean the, everybody everybody's talking about how dead the belichick coaching tree is i'm talking that's about the true. shanahan coaching tree that's, that's you true. know his son every one of those like the mcdaniels is on that uh 
Mike, not Josh. Uh, I think that's my. I've, I've exhausted all my football. Uh, you, I, that was that was big for you. But yeah, the Sean the Sean McVay tree was was kind of ripe there for a while. Yeah, the coach of. Um, wow, I was. Yeah, never mind. Let's let's move. Let's, I, let's I, keep I mean, it pushing, baby. <laughs> just that to say, like I I you know you know in Waldron we trust. Like give it up. And and also I was thinking about this as well. I, I just watched a new rock stars video, um, and they were talking about the some footage. Uh, that's like behind the scenes of the new Agatha Harkness show, which is yeah, that was uh, they, actually, they actually released that. I think that's something that's attached to. They actually there was like that was leaked footage, and then I think they Marvel actually released the footage. I think it was something that's attached to the DVD, the or sorry DVD, Jesus Blu-ray, yeah, Blu-ray release of yeah from the from the paperback novel adaptation of Wandavision. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I, I mean, but it he he did remind me that this thing is now on its third title and, and you know, the stuff with Jonathan Majors still has yet to shake out quote unquote. Uh, I think for, from Marvel's standpoint, they, they can say there's been no court d definitive deciding court case. Now there's, I just saw a TikTok video that had surveillance that seems to counter some of the claim. I don't know what, what happens when they, TikTok, what happens when they renowned for truth well i i mean look it's from it's from china and so is my favorite kind of food what am i supposed to do this um, is true but uh, i think the minute that they change the kang dynasty it you know stories have to be contextualized in the news and they say marvel does this of course on the heels of embattled uh star jonathan majors who's facing you know allegations Meantime, they can do all the work they might need to do to make that change in the background sure, without having absolutely. to dredge up all the accusations and stuff. That's so I don't point. think it's off the table that this will ultimately change. Oh, I think it's 100% changing. I think you're, that's a very good point you bring up about that. It's just we're calling it Kang Dynasty because we don't want to have that conversation right now. And it's still like I think a lot of this stuff is going to get pushed. I think I think Secret Wars and Kang are going to get pushed a full year as they should. I think we need to like, I think the big takeaway now is to kind of let some of this stuff breathe a little bit. Something that Edgar Wright even said in an interview uh, this week that he wanted to let some of this stuff breathe a little. Um, so, you know, yeah. I think that makes sense. The thing about, I think of probably that same video we were watching uh, Eric Voss talking about this news. Um, the thing about bringing Michael Waldron on is if you think about Multiverse of Madness, first of all, I think that's what, by doing that, whatever comes out of whatever the like multiversal talk out of Multiverse of Madness, whatever the like logic from that and from Loki, that's probably what's going to be how this is going to all, you know, track together. Like incursions, all the other stuff that like was happening in other multiversal things that have happened since this has started. Some of that might not make its way into this, but like incursions and... um the uh the the tva and what loki is you know loki holding all the threads like that stuff is probably all going to be there probably loki i'm sure they probably have to get that back up that truck and get hiddleston to come back i'm sure that's for sure happening and uh but the thing that they were pointed out that eric pointed out was that in multiverse of madness that was when they brought in all these cool characters from other universes and then immediately murdered them and it like brutally murdered them that was like right. the thing that is so so, and like, I think with Sam Raimi is potentially rumored to direct 
they might bring him into direct secret wars, which would be fucking wild. Pardon my French, but but like the fact that like they that was one of the main things in that movie where they let Raimi kind of be Raimi, which was like brutally kill these people. Like I feel like they're gonna use this as a way to like kill off the whole Fox universe, anything that wasn't working, <laughs> like. You know, they might do like some beta testing and find out like, oh, here's the characters that we introduced in <laughs> phase four, five, and six that you don't like. And guess what? Like we chopped them all off. You know, you might see a lot of the Eternals go away. <laughs> you might yeah. see a Moon Knight go away. You know, yeah. you might have to pay a bunch of money to get Oscar Isaacs to come into set and just <laughs> murdered. But hey, they yeah. got they got John Krasinski to come down to, you know the green screen and stand in front of it for, you know, half a day. Why not? I can't wait until everybody's everybody's sitting in there in the theater at midnight and they get to watch uh moon Knight get his head popped by Hulk's butt cheeks or something. <laughs> I love, look, look, I, I hope none of it goes away. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> a lot of the things with yeah. the exception, with the exception of secret invasion, like that, that with the exception of uh, uh, Drax's baby arm, a lot of the new characters introduced, I'm kind of like, I like. <laughs> I like Moon Knight. I love, like, I'm a full-blown Eternals apologist. I think Eternals is a good movie. Well, and and I, I've said this about the Marvels. What what most excited me about it as, like, a kind of a, a, a test of a certain approach is, you know, in comic books, you have the... You have single-character stories. You know, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, these, you know storylines that follow that one single character you have your teams big big teams like justice league avengers that tell bigger stories and then periodically there will be these well every year there's these massive crossovers that would be the equivalent of your infinity war or justice league you know dawn of justice or whatever but there are also these smaller books i've brought up brave and the bold world's finest that are about smaller team-ups of more unique you know unique pairings of characters and so I thought that the Marvels was positing that sort of approach from the comic books. I was I was looking forward to like these smaller, more interesting team ups. And I hope I hope they don't like completely abandon that because I think, it, you know, it worked. It worked in in it worked for Thor and Hulk, you know, in in Ragnarok. And mm -hmm. it works. It works for the Cap Falcon Bucky trio in uh, Civil War. So I, 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 you know, I hope they don't throw it away. Basically, I, I don't think they will. I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm queuing up the next <laughs> story, <laughs> trying to find. I have, I wanted to get the picture of, um, the specific picture because you mentioned the Marvels, and, uh, you know, one of the things that you know we, we are, we loved that movie. We thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and we, one of the characters we loved in that movie the most was, you know, Iman Vellani. We thought she was just absolutely wonderful in the film. And in an interview this week, she was asked specifically about um, Marvel Zombies. So they announced that Marvel Zombies was going to be a show, um, an animated show based off kind of the what if uh, episode. It just, just does not want to load. Um, <laughs> so... Um, and this is not the picture I even wanted. Oh, fun. I'll find it. Um, she, in an interview this week, basically said that, oh, here we go. This is what I want. Thank you very much. Um, she, her This is all staying in. This is all, all staying in. This is all, we can't, we can't cut it. It's live. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she reveals that not only does she reprise the role of Ms. Marvel, 
in uh, the Marvel Zombies, but her character is kind of the center of the show. She said in an interview, we've done the whole thing. It was amazing. It was so much fun. And I love, there are a lot of cool characters in the Marvel Zombie show. And Kamala is kind of the center of the show. They described it to me. It's like, she's basically the Frodo of the story. And I was like, that's amazing. And I get to interact and meet all these people along her journey. And yes, they're only the voices. And I don't get to hear the voices in real time, but just it's my fantasies, right? Like knowing Kamala is going to interact with some really cool people, even if it's just animation, is just so special in a lot of ways. Some of the people who like, who are they have announced as the main characters of the show based on when they first announced it, uh, Ms. Marvel, Yelena Belova, Kate Bishop, Jimmy Woo, which is like, bring Randall Park in. Let's do it. Absolutely. Shang-Chi, Deaf Dealer, Red Guardian, and Katie Chen. So Deaf Dealer is also from Shang-Chi. Katie Chen is from Shang-Chi. And then we got Red Guardian, David Harbour from uh, uh, Black, Widow. Black Widow. They will all join together to fight off the undead in the skies while zombified versions of Hawkeye, Abomination, Ghost, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, Okoye and Icarus will also appear. I mean, this show already is like, hell yes. But like the fact that they're going to center it around somebody who we've said is totally captivating and electric is awesome. Yes. I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for season two of what if it, it really, you know, it is a bright spot in this big swing era of Marvel, you know, whatever else you can say about the Marvels and how much stuff we've gotten and its quality. I'll have to bring up again that we used to have to wait like 25 years for a bunch of suits to work out the rights to Spider-Man to get anything. They're still, you know? still work. They're still working that out. But, but the idea that we now have this, like I'd rather have a flood than a drought. Yeah. For guys like us, for guys like us, people like us, um, they're for dudes like us guys. <laughs> you don't know what it's like to, you know, anyway. Uh, yeah, no, they're, a lot of this stuff, if you're fans of it, like getting more of it is great. But yeah, the Marvel Zombies episode of uh, What If was fantastic. And if you're going to fold any of those out into its own show, that's definitely the one. That run run of comics, I don't want to, this is not going to be my Hoopla recommendation, but that run of comics is available on Hoopla. The Robert Kirkman Marvel Zombies run, it's fantastic. It's worth a read. Even if you're not a big comic book person, it's just awesome <laughs> like the zombies become like they basically they become powerful zombies at some point they eat galactus and become like even more powerful eat basically all the humans on earth and then leave earth at some point <laughs> to take on and they become like kind of planet devourers it's it's, it's incredible it's an incredible incredible story <laughs> t'challa is survived his they 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 cut off his leg to feed to janet to keep her alive, to keep her from not fully turning. And so she get her brain would stay intact. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible run. And then Janet and T'Challa fall in love. It's just, wow. It's an incredible, incredible run of comics. It's amazing. The idea too, that in the MCU, the, the what if, uh, it's this, it's this kind of pendulum swing, you know, you, we've seen that they can use it as a, as a, as a test bed for stuff that they, you know, established continuity and IP that they now don't have to be precious with at all. But then if it proves popular enough, they can figure out a way to feed it back into the mainline continuity and, and yeah. or, or at least live action film, which is like the, the main Captain point Carter. of everything with, yeah, with your Captain Carter, which also like, Hey, is there a chance that maybe we see an X-Men 97 sort of uh incursion or whatever? Uh, 
That's what's becoming too. We're supposed to be getting that on Disney Plus. I mean, we'll be yeah, talking about it yeah. later in this month. They're going to do the what if drops to be a nine episode drop over uh, nine days. Every day from like starting like December 18th through the end of the year, there's going to be a new episode of what if. So we're going to be, I don't know, broadcasting every day. I don't know. Why not? I think we should do a, we should broadcast 24 hours a day for the entire duration of the release run of the what if season two, it would be yeah. an unprecedented achievement in broadcast history. I don't think you anybody heard traditional it terrestrial, anybody has attempted it and uh, it would be the crowning glory of the fan controlled sports network. Absolutely. Uh, another crowning glory coming up. Speaking of team out, speaking of Marvel, whether, you know, Thing is about the Marvel train is it's already in motion. So if people are doing this, they can always slow the train down, but you can't stop it. And one of the things they've announced, of course, is the Thunderbolts. The Thunderbolts will bring together uh, Yelena Belova again, Red Guardian again. Um, Hannah John Kamen, I'm assuming that's Ghost. Sebastian Stan, uh, Olga Kurilenko, who is Taskmaster, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And Harrison Ford taking over, which is still like chef's and kiss, baby. Yeah, man. Uh, in an interview, Wyatt Russell, who, of course, played um, Trump's campaign manager, John Walker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he played QAnon, Shaman, Captain America, John Walker. John Walker. He is currently starring in The Monarch, Legacy of, Mon Legacy of Monsters, a show we will probably start talking about after watching this Godzilla movie. Um he was interviewed. He said to talk about the Thunderbolts. They haven't started production yet, which got delayed several times due to the strikes. But he says, I have confidence it's going to be good. I know everybody is sort of on this Marvel train right now of things not going well. But he says, I know the director so well, and I know how smart Jake is and how much he cares about making something interesting and different and utilizing everyone's talents to the best of their ability. And the story that I think they've come up with is really interesting. I know parts of the story and how the story works. I can't talk about it, but it's not a straightforward it's not a straightforward Marvel movie as you've seen in the past. So that's the headline there. I don't know what that means. He right. just says, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it'll be something that hopefully Marvel fans will look at and go, okay, this is a little different. Let's go hard at it. So I'm like, okay, sure, sure, sure. Let's do it. You know, it's not like one of these mainstream Marvel movies. You know, it's not like Iron Man or the Avengers or like Jurassic World Dominion. You know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be completely different than those movies. At some point, there's. I mean, I know I don't know how you do it different, quote unquote. But the thing that is different is the Thunderbolts is basically they are kind of like Marvel's Suicide Squad. I mean, they're not like literally going off to like die, but they are like they're not your heroes. They're not. They're not. These aren't. This isn't Cap. This isn't you know Falcon. These are these are people who operate in the gray areas of uh, the universe. So that's why it might be different. I think in the original conception too, like in the comic books, the Thunderbolts were a team of supervillains, like outright supervillains who were given new names and outfits and were posing as superheroes. I love um, that. Let's see that. Which, movie. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think I remember at the time it being like a really well-received comic book because of that sort of twisty idea, like uh, Norman Osborn or whatever, the Green Goblin. Uh, he he was the leader of of their group, and he was Iron Incredible. Patriot. Yeah, yeah, wow. I, I thought it, yeah. It was it's such a cool like, and of course they come come into conflict with the actual mainline superheroes. Um, so I I thought that was a really interesting. If that's idea. what they're doing. That's what they're doing. I mean, I, here's the thing: like, I'm all for, and we talked about this a lot on the Marvels podcast. I'm all for big swings at this point, like big swings. Like, I think the thing that people 
get a little hung up about is when the stuff is really predictable and like really, I mean, we keep going back to this well, but it's very much like, you know, the secret invasion is very much like gave us like what the standard Marvel ending is, which is like, you know, we, and the Marvels had it too, to an extent, but it didn't really have the big, like, you know, animated Guga fighting animated Guga. And that's what we're building to is just Guga fighting. And you know, there was, you know, but I think anything that is like a, a swing away from that, and if Thunderbolts is going to try something, maybe it's like the Dirty Dozen, who knows? Like, I mean, I, there's something always really fun about um, characters who aren't like, you know, the white capped, you know, the, 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 the it's, it's unclear how they go. Like it's on there. There's a the moral ambiguity is always more interesting in a character, whether it's a villain or a good guy. Uh, it's always fun. And so, you know, yeah, let's do it. I mean, in David Harbour as red guardian, that's enough for my money. Sure. Delicious. Delightful. Delovely. Uh, delicious. One more thing before we get out of here, uh, before we leave, so this is it. And if, Bye. Before, before we finish the quick hits, a quick <laughs> brisk 25 minute quick hits. Um, Alex, I'm going to cut this other thing is who cares. Um, what, uh, I know the, the alien movies are these, do these hit ooh scary for you or have you seen them? I've watched all of them. They also hit ooh scary for me. I definitely, I, I, I don't want to see one in a movie theater first time. Yeah. I'm a big fan of these films. Um, I, uh, the original trilogy is, you know, fantastic stuff. Then the second trilogy stuff, eh, hit or miss, <laughs> but, and like alien resurrection when, you know we're getting Sigourney Weaver back again somehow and she's playing basketball against Winona Ryder that was a choice that we did but we're apparently moving forward because this is where you're in IP central there is a new movie coming from Fetty Alvarez but there's also a TV show coming from Noah Hawley who did um, Fargo um, for FX and they announced that Timothy Oliphant an, an FX regular from the Justified and the Justified Primeval is set to be the lead of this film he of Cobb Vanth fame I don't care you put you put Timothy Oliphant in something I'm watching it bang yeah I think I'm gonna have to tune in oh my gosh that that's yeah. a power power line Noah Hawley I I'm actually maybe not because he is really really good at sort of deep slow psychological stuff and so his lens being turned on that, uh, you know, super pervert HR Giger's sort of uh, <laughs> mind world. That. Super pervert, like super pervert HR Giger, I mean, for sure. You look at those drawings, you're like, this dude gets up to some real yeah. spanky stuff. You know what I'm 90, saying? Like, you, yeah, when you go beyond the alien drawings, it's, it's mostly penises. Even the alien drawings. You're like, that thing's got a penis for a head. You can't tell <laughs> me right. different. Yep, 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 yep. And opens his mouth and another penis comes out. H.R. Giger, hey, hey, Freud's calling on a penis-shaped yeah. phone, dude. Yeah, seriously. Super, I love you called him super pervert. Go ahead, continue. Sorry. <laughs> That's just it now. Giger's a super pervert. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I think you either get to be German or draw that stuff. I think you really should only pick one of those things. And if you're German, yeah, pick a lane. you shouldn't be drawing that stuff. Pick a lane, bro. But uh, so, but I, I Timothy Oliphant. I yeah, I love that. Basically, you know, he. I was a big fan of his before the Justified, and I've had to watch a lot of Justified for my job. I mean, that character. He's Raylan Vance. He's fantastic. I mean, it's just very much. 
a great place to be operating. It's basically the character he plays on in the Mandalorian. Cobb Vanth is basically the same character. It, is he Raylan Givens? Thank you. Did I say Vance? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Raylan Givens. Thank you. I don't know who Raylan Vance is. Not even a person. I think I think he shows up in Justified season five wearing a Boba Fett helmet. And I keep yep. telling, you keep hearing whispers Raylan, from off camera. Hey, take that off. Raylan Givens, thank you. Um, but yeah, he's based. That's who Cobb Vanth is. And then they, you know they brought him back and put him in Detroit for uh, Justified City Primeval. I'm like that works too. Or a lot of people didn't like that show because it wasn't the same thing. He wasn't in Kentucky, but I don't care, man. You got Timothy Olyphant walking around in a cowboy hat. Done. I'm you know, watch watch a little movie called Go. You Philistines. Oh domination what a yeah. what an unbelievable that movie too early uh what's his face uh the director uh doug lyman really doug lyman stuff fantastic jay more follow-up to swingers jay moore and scott wolf in that movie holy moly Those, fantastic talk about a man look google a go do a google image search of jay moore and watch your head explode what the man looks like now married to Jeannie bus owner of the lakers True story. i don't know i don't know how a man melts in reverse and it's a bad thing you know what i'm saying like I, that's uh, yes. the only thing i can look at his trajectory it's like somebody reverse melting yeah 100 absolutely great we did it quick hits quick hits quick we hits. did it we did it we did it quick a quick brisk 30 minutes mm. um before we get to godzilla minus one we got to get we're on this fan controlled sports entertainment twitch stream the the youtube stream we're on we're currently on twitter right now some or x whatever you have to call that thing now we are streaming live on the fan controlled sports entertainment feed, we are we give one piece of sports news, we take a break from the Cape Space, and we give one piece of sports news. Alex normally takes us out to the racetrack. Is that where we're going? Open wheel racing. We're we're right back into the paddock to say goodbye to another great season of Formula One racing as the 2023 Grand Prix season came to a conclusion last weekend with the running of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which was, of course, won by now three-time world champion Max Verstappen. Uh, we have some ways to go before the season restarts in March as we really start the silly season in earnest, but... Uh, rumblings around the Red Bull team, the dominant Red Bull team, seem to suggest that if number two driver Sergio Checo Perez doesn't perform well enough early on in the 24, 24 season in what people assume will be a dominating Red Bull car, he will be replaced with Daniel Ricciardo, which will bring Liam Hewitt, reserve driver, up into the second seat at Alpha Tauri. Back to you, Kenny. <laughs> I love it. Alpha Tari might have been Alpha Centauri from the movie The Last Starfighter. Fine by me. I have no idea what you said. Um, for my it's all crypto to me, baby. Yeah, it's all on the blockchain. Uh, I am gonna we, you know, uh, I am uh, a fan of all the alternative football leagues. The Montreal Alouettes upset the uh Winnipeg Blue Bombers to win the Grey Cup. But uh, I'm talking about the the two major uh spring leagues here in America. The USFL and the XFL have already announced that they had plans to merge. The uh, the people in the U.S. government that have to approve mergers and things like that, they they, they approved that merger. So it seems like that is happening. The rumor is the merge league is going to start playing in March of this coming year, 2024. So we're talking like four months away. And the league is potentially going to be called the UFL. Not the XFL, not the USFL, the UFL. We don't know which teams are going to be playing. I would assume probably St. Louis because they drew like 55,000 people. You need them, that fan base. So that's going to be coming down the pipe right after, a month after the end of the uh, NFL. Look for the UFL. I don't know how how much involved Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to be, but we'll have to find out. 
I think if this thing's going to have any chance of surviving, you're going to need a heavy hand and a little bit of uh, of magic that Dwayne The Rock Johnson tends to bring to proceedings, not to mention Danny Garcia, his uh, ex-wife, I believe. Ex-wife, current manager, yep. Good for them. That good all them. seems good. I yep. like it. Good. If there's one thing The Rock does, he can change the balance of, <laughs> of, of any sort of universe. He comes in. The balance, and the balance of power. He changes the balance of power, and no matter how many times it doesn't work out great, they'll keep letting him do it. <laughs> Very true. Very true. We did it. All right. Let's. Oh, no, before we get that, we got to. Geez, how could I possibly forget? Talk about talk about somebody who changes the power. Someone who changes the balance of power in the world of advertising is, of course, our own Alex Enriquez, constantly, constantly finding amazing corporate sponsorship, corporate underwriting for the show. Alex, who's our sponsor for the show this week? Well, our corporate underwriters for this week's episode, uh, it's it's Uncle Santa Rick Caruso, and he's presenting Christmas at the Grove. And so uh, over, okay, the, over, that, yes. over the ad breaks in the show, I'm going to be introducing some of the new uh, attractions and experiences that they have for the holiday season at the Grove. Okay. So number one, they right off the bat, they have the Travel Recovery Center. You're probably going to be pretty tired after your two-day trip into the Grove through traffic. We have a tent with water, food, cots, and those weird metal blankets so that you can re regain your holiday spirit before you shop. Um, also <laughs> those the weird metal blankets? Yeah, you know, they look like a Mylar balloon. Yep. Uh, and you, you have to wear them in like huddle and drink something hot. Uh, yep. the, the tree this year is a 40-foot tall Douglas fir that was sustainably sourced from the Pacific Northwest. We will be destroying it in an insurance fire. <laughs> and uh, this year, for the first time, we've got Uncle Santa Rick's Holiday Petting Zoo. It's behind Dupars by the dumpsters. You've heard of reindeer? Well, we've got rain dogs and rain cats, which are the snappiest of Santa's North Pole friends. A special prize goes to the little elf that brings Uncle Santa Rick the most rain rats. <laughs> is that some of the uh some of the holiday fun you have to look forward to at the grove this year i love that like there if somebody from his company is listening and because we obviously one of one of many fans of the show uh they they might actually do some of those things <laughs> i think so i think he's he's got a dedicated team of rat catchers yes very 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 true all right let's Speaking of somebody who makes animals come up to the surface. <laughs> Speaking of great transitions, here's yeah, baby. Ladies we are gentlemen, talking about the brand new Godzilla minus one. This is a film that is not part of the Monarch uh, show on Apple TV. It is not technically part of the monster verse, the Kong Island, the Godzilla versus Kong, the Godzilla King of the Monsters. This is it's Toho the Sony universe of Marvel, Marvel Kong Godzilla characters of Gahul of Gahul. <laughs> but no, this is Toho. The original they've made like twenty of the thirty-seven uh, Godzilla movies. Uh, this is their new entry. They have to wait. I was doing this reading. They have to wait. Uh, they can't, they can't, Legendary Pictures has the U.S. right. They can't release a Godzilla movie the same year. So they have to stagger them. Uh, and, but this is their entry. And uh, we saw this movie. It's called Godzilla Minus One. It's opening wide across America. It was just opened in Japan like a month ago. I'm going to do a quick recap of the script, of the story, which seems like it's not going to be as long because it's a newer film. So strap in. Here we go. Uh, 1945, at the end of World War II, Kochi, I'm going to kill these names, I'm sorry. Chief Actually, Kish you know what? While you're doing the, the summary, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. Sorry. Do it. All right. 
Kochi Shikishima, a kamikaze pilot, feigns technical issues with his plane and lands on Odo Island. A dinosaur-like creature, or kaiju, Godzilla, appears during the night and attacks the island, killing everybody except Kochi and the lead mechanic, Soasaku Tashibana who blames Kochi for the deaths of the others. Two years later after the war, following his return to Tokyo, Kochi is plagued by survivor's guilt. He has started a relationship with Noro Noriko Oishi, and they have developed a, adopted a child whose parents were lost in the bombing of Tokyo. Godzilla is mutated and enlarged by the U.S. nuclear tests at Bikini Atoll, and it destroys several U.S. warships before heading to Japan. The U.S. refuses to aid Japan, owing to tensions with the Soviet Union. Working aboard a minesweeper called the Sinshi Maru, Kochi meets scientist Kenji Noda. The minesweeper crew are tasked with stopping Godzilla's approach to Japan. They release a mine into Godzilla's mouth and detonate it, but Godzilla regenerates from its injury. The heavy cruiser, Takao, then arrives and engages Godzilla, but is subsequently destroyed when it unleashes its atomic breath. Kochi tells Noriko about Godzilla's attack, expressing his survivor's guilt for to her. Godzilla makes landfall, attacking Ginza in Tokyo. Noriko witnesses the attack while Kochi attempts to, re to rescue her. Meanwhile, the Japanese military attempt to engage Godzilla, but it fires its atomic breath, decimating Tokyo and seemingly killing Norioko... Noriko, sorry, among thousands of others. When Godzilla returns to the ocean, Kenji comes up with a plan to kill Godzilla, although the government refuses to help, leaving it up to the remaining civilians and naval veterans to enact it. Kochi recruits a reluctant Sosaku to repair a broken-down prototype Kyushu J7W Shinden fighter, which Kochi will fly into Godzilla's mouth and destroy it from the inside, a, a, basically a kamikaze mission. Meanwhile, Kenji plots to destroy Godzilla by surrounding him with Freon tanks and rupturing them, lowering the water's buoyancy and sinking it to a depth of 1,500 meters, letting the resultant pressure crush it. Should that plan fail, balloons would inflate under Godzilla to force it back up to the surface, killing it through explosive decompression. Godzilla is dragged down to 1,500 meters, but manages to survive. The balloons are activated, forcing Godzilla up to 800 meters, but it manages to break free. Two ships try to haul Godzilla to the surface, but don't have enough power to do so. A fleet of tugboats lend their assistance, and Godzilla is brought to the surface, injury but not killing it. Enraged, Godzilla prepares to destroy all the ships with its atomic breath. Kochi flies the plane into Godzilla's mouth, destroying its head and overloading its atomic breath, which destroys destroys the rest of its body. The crew assumes Kochi sacrificed himself to stop Godzilla's atomic breath, but look above to find that he has survived. They cheer and salute him, knowing he ejected from the plane. Back at the port, Kochi receives a telegram and heads to the hospital with Akiko, where he reunites with Noriko, who survived the destruction, albeit with what appears to be radiation sickness. Sick sickness. Meanwhile, a chunk of Godzilla's remaining flesh sinks to the bottom of the ocean and begins to regenerate. <sighs> Holy cow, we did it. Alex, what'd you think of this movie? You're muted. You're muted. Can't hear you. There we go. What'd you think? What'd you think of the movie? Oh, I loved it. I had such a good time. It was, you know, if you compare this to, you know, you brought up legendary, you compare this to like the last Godzilla offering we got from them, uh, which was, I think Godzilla versus Kong. That movie yes. was so, that was the, that was the Drax baby arm of Kong movies. <laughs> and it was like their second shot at it or something. This movie was, I mean, not that I was running a comparison in my head the whole time. It just kind of struck me that this was so stripped down, so simple, so well crafted and thought out for a monster movie. Uh, it's got and it's got everything you would want from a Godzilla movie, including some heavy duty political allegory, which is Holy great, moly. which is which is Huge. baked into science fiction, which is baked into genre fiction, monster stuff. But from the beginning of Godzilla, he's an allegory. And um I just so appreciated their approach. Um it, it, from a filmmaking standpoint, something that struck me, and I don't think this is in the show notes, but 
I, I think that it, I have to go back and really track this, but it felt to me like for the vast majority of the movie, the framing of everything was so tight and small and contained. And even when you would see Godzilla, it would sort of be in these cramped contained, you'd see a foot or he'd be bent over or something that by the time you get the full glory shot of a full sized upright Godzilla, it is extremely impactful and the suspense is there. And I wasn't ready to be so taken with this movie. Cause I'm, I, I was like, yeah, we're going to watch it for the show. Um, not something I would normally go seek out on my own. Um, but I wound up being very taken with this Godzilla movie. It was just so well done. This movie, this movie is fantastic. <laughs> like they're just like, like we've seen like good movies on the show and we've talked about it. This is like a, like a film. This is, this is, yeah. This movie is it currently at 90 Godzilla in general is a metaphor for nuclear weapons. Yes, exactly. That's they're so there, but they, the the allegories in this movie go a little bit further. We're going to talk about that in a second, but just like this movie is at ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which was a shock to me. I was like, I I pitched it to Alex, like because he wanted to maybe talk. You want to talk about doing uh, the Monarch, and I was like, oh, I'm not cut up on this stuff. And then I saw that this I had heard that this movie was was doing well in Japan, and then it was coming out. I'm like, well, let's just do this because it's coming out. and It's like a traditional Godzilla movie. But then I started reading the reviews and they were like, oh no, it's got tons of heart. It's got like the storylines fun. And then you go and watch it and you're like, there's like a solid half hour of this movie, maybe even 40 minutes where there is just no Godzilla at all. And it is unbelievably compelling, totally interesting, like well shot, well directed. The acting is incredible. You could almost take Godzilla out of the movie and it would still work. It is just, it, it was this movie is just a very, very good film, period. Like, in every facet of storytelling and you are just absolutely sucked in and to this plot of just these people who have lost everything and find each other after the world war, the war right. to end all wars, these three people who have no blood tie to each other, find each other and make a family and, and make a home literally. And, do all these things, but still have huge walls that have been left up because of all the things like the fact that the man is a kamikaze pilot, but can't make himself do the thing and is given shame for that shame that he wouldn't literally murder himself for what, <laughs> for, for the, for the cause is, yeah. And then have so much guilt over that for something that is like wanting to live is like a basic human thing. Like ugh, this movie <laughs> This movie is like, and it, and then and then on top of all of that, on top of these incredible war allegories, amazing characters, depth of character, there's also Godzilla stomping around Japan, set to like bum 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 bum, the same like Godzilla stuff, and it's it all that stuff works, all that stuff because you have these invested characters. You all this other's normal Godzilla stuff has about a the weight on it is so much more. It's it really is. It, they they really just kind of cracked a code, and it felt to me like they had just gone back and done like the first Godzilla movie just with modern effects. It it is about oh. the human scale, and it isn't about finding psychic twins to find a giant bug to fight the giant yes. lizard. It's it it there's there's a depth to it. 
that I didn't expect. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. It doesn't feel to me like that was what they were going for. They were just trying to make the most impactful monster movie they could. It seems to me now, I, I don't know anything about the writing process or the creative process. That, that I did. Was it. I did. This. I did a little bit of background research. Um, so they Toho rebooted the character in 2016, and um, and in that in that film, which I believe is called Shinjin Godzilla, they uh, they did kind of go for a more like grounded approach to the storytelling. And then this director of this film uh, had directed some uh, a kind of like successful um, thriller. What was it called here? Um, sorry, 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 sorry. Um, he, uh, they, they reached out to this director who had not made like a big budget, you know, it's kind of like how Marvel does, you know, you reach out to Daniel Destin Crenton to have him direct, uh, you know, Shang-Chi and he's never made a movie like the same. And he brought that like kind of, um, intimate filmmaking to this broad story. And that's the thing I thought was so wild about this movie is not more than 20 less than 20 years ago toho was still making godzilla movies where it's like godzilla versus mecha godzilla and japan has created a kind of like robot godzilla to fight godzilla and both mecha godzilla and godzilla are just a guy in a suit like fighting each other on a set like and that was is i mean less than 20 years they were doing that and now they this is where they are now to fact to see how far it's come and how the choices that they made with this film was just like, it was just unbelievable. I just, with this movie was, was, was absolutely jaw dropping at points. It was so good. It had no right to be as good as it is. And... Yeah. That's a great point. It had no right to be as good as it is. Like the well, 37th and, and, and Godzilla I, movie to be it, this yeah. good. <laughs> I mean that it didn't. And it frank like that, frankly, it didn't need to be because I was going to, you know, I was going to see it kind of as a kind of ironically. Oh, but yes. <laughs> it was yes. good. It was good. And it was like, oh, you know, I've I've been to a lot of movies in a theater because of the show more, more so than I had before. And this is one of the few where I was like, I'm really glad I saw this in a theater. It was, oh, my God, heart pounding. I was by myself. <laughs> and it was like, I, it's hard for me to lose myself in a movie. You know, I'm I'm a professional broadcaster. Yeah, uh, I know. A journalist, if you will, a uh, a cultural historian. Yeah. My wife has called me uh, when I've asked her to, and <laughs> you know, I, I, so it's easy for me to see the wires, and so it's hard to get lost in things. But I, I was genuinely taken with this. But I actually had a question that's been bothering me since I got home. Hit it, hit it. So everybody in the movie is speaking Japanese, right? Yep. How come the words are in English? What do you mean? Like they're talking, they're speaking Japanese. The actors. They're oh, like you want the, the? You think you think it should just be the character, the Japanese characters at the bottom instead of actually like English? I just don't know how they get English up on the screen from all that. You know, it's just it's, oh, it's another close. wonder of how they kind of got this whole thing together. You know, that's one of the great things is normally traditionally the Godzilla movies are just in Japanese and you don't have any sort of translation. They don't dub them or anything like that. It is you just you just have to kind of guess what's happening. But now they they put the translation there, which was very nice of them to do so. What I what I especially appreciated were times when the characters would say the the subtitle would include a word that was in Japanese that you would not hear the character say. So I was like, oh, I wonder what the what that's about. Like he says hey. he says kamikaze roughly forty eight times in the film. In the subtitles, never comes out yeah. of his mouth. 
Yeah. I love it. This is what I love when people come in and come into the chat. Like this guy, Cheater Pog, just got in here. He just says, what is this? Google it. We're, we're so, we don't got time. Know, it's Godzilla. We're, we're, try, we're trying to figure this out ourselves, baby. This is fan-controlled fandom. This is uh, two guys on the fan-controlled sports entertainment network talking about uh, dork stuff. And we're this week, we're talking about Godzilla. But why does God Godzilla still yeah. give me 93 Mario movie Goomba vibes? I'm he, not. Look, I, yeah, I'm not going to contest that. And it's it's especially bad in this movie because they went for like a very they kind of tried to make the computer figure look man in suit a little. Well, that's bit, what I, I, I want to talk wink. about, too. So because he's he moves real man in suit like the no, eyes they, don't move a lot. The arms don't move a whole bunch. No, that was something that I actually genuinely appreciated. Same was the fact that. A lot of times in different iterations of Godzilla, like I think of the 96 um, Roland Emmerich version that was made by Sony Pictures. So great film. But one of the one of the criticisms. <laughs> what is what just happened? Oh, I see what um <laughs> Jess. Jess just threw up. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, you're that's one hundred percent. You are one hundred percent right. You are one hundred percent right. You're not wrong. That was that's incredible. <laughs> oh my good lord in heaven. Yes. That's amazing. where have you been our whole show? Come on. You're we're bringing following along. Um, Kenny, Kenny, put her on the payroll. This is our, this is the new number. I think, this I we had, we needed a third and here it is. I think she's already on the payroll. Um, we, uh, the, no, the fact that, that they kept this kind of, I was gonna say with the 96 Godzilla and they, they did a good job, I think with the more recent versions, but, you know, they always try to make it like, let's update it. Let's, uh, you know, it's not a person in a suit. Let's make it more like an actual dinosaur. This movie's like, no, Godzilla walks like this. Godzilla moves its arms like this, whether because it was a person in a suit who could barely move and was probably being tortured by being in there for like 12 to 16 hours a day and not being allowed to come out and breathe. I'm sure several people have died in Godzilla suits over the years. Oh, oh yeah. They're on their 49th Godzilla performer, uh, and they they never take him out of the suit. The suit just breaks the performer down on a molecular <laughs> level. Um, <laughs> it's it's, I, it. I, actually, just to say something uh, to Freddie Airmail here, you know, a little bit ago, talking about they made an action movie where the CGI is meant to carry it in 2023. Like, yeah, I think science fiction and genre fiction generally used to push so far hard into metaphor because the effects couldn't carry. So, yeah, it was OK that Godzilla was moving a lot, you know, pretty stockily or whatever, because Godzilla is meant to represent a force meant to represent nuclear war and nuclear holocaust, basically. But the better you get with effects, the less you have to have metaphor, the more you just, oh, let's make his eyes twinkle more. Let's give him more spikes. But yeah, it, let's, you, let's you make those spikes further, flow. You get further away from allegory, which was like the underpinning of all this stuff from the beginning. Which they 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 hit. Sometimes this film hits really hard, like when he fires his atomic breath, and it literally literally delivers a mushroom cloud. That is that when when you're talking about 1940s Japan, which has had suffered several atomic bomb droppings, to have. Um, that be so prevalent and some of the most like there's that one shot it's like the camera's low and it's looking up on godzilla and there's a huge mushroom cloud behind him i mean it's hitting it on the head real hard but also extremely impactful well like done crafted shot so there's like that really hard stuff but then it also there's a ton like this is an ant i mean it's all most godzilla movies are anti-war movies this is a very anti-war film. Like this movie is about like 
the fact that it's not the military that has to take Godzilla down. They literally say the government's not going to help us. So we have to figure out how to take him down ourselves. Like that to me, and that to me is what is super fascinating about any World War II story is not necessarily the war, the guga, or like the interactions of what happened. All of that stuff is, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But the interesting things and what makes what makes good drama is how how the other people are affected after the fact. I mean, the fact that this man couldn't bring himself to kill himself for his country because he probably they never say it, but probably didn't believe in enough to do it, you know? And the fact that that's kind of subtly said throughout the movie is that like, well, we may have been wrong in attacking the United States is never said, but it's kind of implied throughout. You know, I think it's a very interesting, you know, aftermath is always where the human cost is told. And I think, you know, what you're, what you're looking for is, you know, tell us what happened after they shaved Ryan's privates, you know? Yep. Yep, that's what I want. I want. We never got a sequel to that movie. We never got a sequel to Shaving Ryan's, Ryan's Privates, and you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. No, I. I, I, I also sorry. No, sorry. it's okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, I also no. there was something about it to me that like, a I have not seen a lot of media that takes place in the immediate post-war uh, period of Japan, and that was fascinating to me. Uh, the limited scope we got of it but also because this is a demilitarized nation and these people explicitly say that the government can't help them i was i was trying to think toward the end of the movie i was like well if original godzilla is articulating a a fear and a worry that the world has about nuclear war and especially the japanese people because they've they're the first to suffer from it we don't really have that as much of a concern anymore what would be the pressing concern that is being articulated here? And then I started to kind of connect dots that Godzilla in this movie is climate change. And, yeah. uh, and, and that it's, it's going to be people getting together, getting novel and going like, you know, they, they have the conversation with the guy about this idea he has and people go, what if it doesn't work? And the argument to that is we don't know if it'll work, but we have to do something. And we I have think to that try. Yeah that's what we have to do here because there's far too many people in positions of power who have interests outside of our progress as a species and or or equate that process with something completely progress with they equate that progress with something completely different um and i i i think that this i got really complicated at the at the end thinking about how this is like these are a people with a proud but complicated history that are Absolutely. acknowledging it, acknowledging it. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's exclusive to them, of course, and I'm, as an American, very complicated history here. But uh, yes, especially with the Japanese people <laughs> pulling, pulling the positive from a complicated history to inform a better tomorrow. And the thing that they say about like, that last war was all about death. This one is going to be about life. I thought was such a beautiful, perfect this, this message. Movie, this guy, y'all, this movie is so freaking good. It's, it's good. also it's really good. It's also you can even take it on like a character level. And there was a point, if there was a point in this movie when like the main character like woke up from a dream or something, or like 
basically like uh godzilla was like a tyler durden type of deal where like this this literal mo no 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 i'm not kidding like what i'm saying is like this monster is a literal manifestation of the guilt that i have for like because see they reference like my my war is not over that said a lot in this movie that's the main reason why the two the two leads cannot who are literally raising a child together yet somehow cannot connect as humans on a romantic level even though they are both fully interested in the other one but they both have huge barriers that have been that have been put there because of the trauma that they've been through and so that godzilla is almost like a manifestation of that trauma that trauma that is that if you do not address if you do not face literally like literally take a plane and fly into the mouth of it's just going to get bigger and bigger and it's going to and it's it's going to destroy not just you but others like it, this movie is it works on so many flipping levels man it's crazy yeah. the 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 main character's journey from a you know the objector to he you you get why he doesn't want to kill himself like what is he dying for and yes and the he, fact that that's in a war, like a movie like a war movie that's i always like that that to me is always more fascinating than seeing people like, a, just like do whatever like that to me i always like to see a little bit of uh ambiguity and then he has something to die for but he refuses because he realizes that it's that choosing life is the honorable thing like that he he has the opportunity he can close that circle for himself but there is now he now that he has something to die for he has something to live for and yes. i think that you know baking that into a monster movie i know so, it's, it's so, so wild yeah i i i you know, I it was such an experience. That was a, it was like a great movie going experience. I can't oh, recommend it. Hundred percent. I know this movie. It was so freaking good because, like, again, you get like forty solid minutes of just. First of all, you get Godzilla in the first like ten minutes, and it's amazing. Like, it's like it's some great. of the best Godzilla. It's like Godzilla attacking like nine people, and it's just like picking them up and throwing them with its mouth. And it's, it's great. It's really, really like monster Godzilla stuff. And then you do not see him again for quite some time to the point where you're almost like, is that the same guy? There was a couple of times we're following the protagonist. And I was like, was that the same guy? Because he's not like, he doesn't seem traumatized by Godzilla at all. Cause we haven't seen Godzilla. Right. And right. But then and you, right, right but then the you realize it is after a while. Like, of course it is. That's why we'd be following this person. But it's like, that's how much Godzilla is not in the like, first act and well into the second act of this movie and it's and and it's but right about the moment i was like jesus not a lot of godzilla in this godzilla movie it i think an <laughs> air raid siren went off or something <laughs> like oh geez and then you almost kind of need a break from godzilla for the rest of the film because it's it yes. really does for it, it it pulls out all the stops you know there's suspense there's big grandiose vistas there's you know it's got all that big stuff phobia that you can sometimes have I mean, like him destroying a building and you watching the people on the roof of it pitch over in yeah. perspective is you know that they're it, it, this movie just works it's a great movie go see it in a movie theater to, yes. the, to the millions a, watching go see it the movie the, exactly Freddie Airmail says trauma allegories in the 2020s name a more iconic duo you can't that's the number one <laughs> for sure destroying the world is my phobia yeah me too yeah. no there is there is a there's a sequence involving uh like a train godzilla and a train and someone hanging out of the bottom of the train it is just like i mean unbelievable stuff it's like they mix the 
the practical stunt work with actual effects in a way that is just like they you know there's definitely a war where they like animate everybody and it's just like you know animated people flopping around but no they used to take the time to put real people that's what you expect that's what you expect from a godzilla movie like real there are definitely digital people running on the streets but then there's also like real people definitely running on the streets like you see in a godzilla movie i just I only have two little two little things I want to draw out now that I was like first that I want to point out. First of all, that, that there's no Godzuki and what a missed opportunity that is. There's no Mothra. Um, no, I want to point out one thing real quick. Okay, <laughs> there is a child in this movie, Akiko. All right, mm -hmm. this child has several moments where it cries, and not in a like I'm an actor trying to cry. It. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. They don't have the Screen Actors Guild over there in Japan. I, What did they do to this kid? This kid, <laughs> before they started, before they hit action, I don't know if they got this kid to like fall in love with a doll like months prior to and then like brought it to set and then immediately ripped the doll out of the kid's hands and then hit act and then started rolling the camera. But this kid gives, there's no way it's giving a performance. You know what I mean? Like it is crying so hard at certain times of what things that have happened, like after the mom, quote unquote, here we go, the um, um, hour in, we've already spoiled the movie, the mom, quote unquote, the mom, who's not really a mom, the stepmom is dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that kid right. gives a cry that is like real as all hell. And I'm like, what did they do to that kid to get that performance? There's no way that that actually kid could just be like, oh, I'm, this is the crying scene, great, I'm three. So let me just do that real quick. <laughs> there's there's a moment during one of those sobs that the, the main character, the guy playing the main character seems a little disturbed by it. Like yes. he just doesn't know what to, and not the character, it's this man sitting next to this child going, what in the hell is going on? I think, yeah, that's yeah, my I, first thought was like, what do they do? What do they, what, what do, they do to that kid to get well, that reaction? You know, in E.T., they're doing the they're giving the paddles, the defibrillators to old E.T. right there toward the end. You know, Peter Coyote and the boys. And yep. there's that great shot over E.T.'s chest of every time they clear boom, of Drew Barrymore crying, sobbing and jolting every time they give him a shock. And that was because. They never told Drew that E.T. was fake. She thought he was this real little man and thought he was dead and that they were electrocuting him to bring him back to life. Oh, really? And there's behind-the-scenes footage of a very, very cool Steven Spielberg doing a minimal job of comforting her. Oh, there, there, Drew. It's okay. Oh, like my God. Like patting her on the head and, like, looking for anybody else. D, can you come? Can you? She, D, can you get her? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That is yeah. un she's crying that is and like unbelievable. They yeah. wow. So you're saying that maybe they implied that maybe, maybe this, maybe this kid, the actor, and the woman who plays the mom is her actual mom. Yeah. And maybe they told this kid that your mom <laughs> they had that whole scene kind of that your mom is dead. And that was yeah. like legit. Holy cow. Yeah. I, hey, your this, hey we, they made a they made a movie that looked like the mom was getting eaten by godzilla and then godzilla looks into the camera and says to her i'm your mom now and that was just <laughs> horrifying to her look at me look at me i'm the mommy now <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah yeah oscar gold oh my god yeah that was that that kid is definitely has some sort of ptsd from that scene there's just no way whatever they did to that kid to get that performance Kudos. My only other thing is that I will say is 
And again, if you don't want to see the movie, I mean, I'm sorry, if you want to see the movie and you don't want to hear what happens at the very, very end, which we've kind of already said, but we're going to really dive into it for a second right now, uh, you know, tune away for five minutes and then come on back. There is not a world where that woman survives that blast. There's just no, there just isn't. When he gets them, when he gets the telegram and she's still alive and he goes to see her after what they showed happening to her, there's just no way. There is no, there's no effing way right. she is still alive. None. Right. Literally. This woman, this woman was obliterated. <laughs> yes. Blown off the ground, like feet off the ground, being blown backwards. There's just, First of all, there really isn't a there really isn't a world where he survives. Like the fact that she just like pushed him behind a building and that's how he survived the nuclear blast is kind of wild in and of itself. I'll let it slip. But the fact that she somehow has like minor minor wounds by the way. Like just has like has like a arm in a sling and like a little thing on the head and like that I mean granted she'd lean forward and they showed some radiation poisoning happening on her on her neck. But like I mean, if she's alive at all, it's got to be one of those full, full body things. Like, you know, everything is in a little like harness and you can't move. And they they had to like completely regenerate her entire skeletal system. Yeah, they that letter should have said, good news. We found what's left of her. We found the puddle of her. Well, yeah. you want to come <laughs> clean. Only, re only reason we can know it's her because of the teeth. There was a, <laughs> there was a bone in a shoe. We're pretty sure it's her. I mean, it's why I mean, that when that happened at the end, like, like yeah. from a from a like person who was fully invested in this movie, like, did I cry a little? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but right at the same time, I was like, oh no, no way, no way. She's she lived through that. Not not a chance. Not a chance. Because I also thought too, like, wow, what a compelling storytelling device because i knew the movie still had like 45 i knew we weren't like towards the end i knew we had like another 40 plus minutes of this movie to then kill this woman that he never had a chance to profess his love to. i mean this movie man and then that becomes even more symbolism because him actually proving to not just himself but to her that he could follow through with what his orders were which was to sacrifice himself for the good of others quote unquote but him doing it to godzilla and to try that to, was something that he deemed as worthy enough for him to actually potentially kamikaze himself but not when it was the war like that just i mean that was super compelling and then afterwards i was like oh but, but no am i can you see me still yeah, you froze for a little bit. Now it all just caught up. Yep. Did you hear what I said? Uh, not really. <laughs> Great. All right, so I'll start over. So God's. Let me do the recap of Godzilla minus one. I'll read it off of Wikipedia. No, um, okay. I was just, I was just saying that whatever. I, I, she's. It was amazing that she's still alive. That's all. That's all. Amazing. It, it, it is. It is. Well, I, Freddie I says that. I cut off. It's super compelling. I think that was most of my argument. I think that was most of what I was saying. Well, I also think that there's some play in there and it might be, and this is going to sound awful to say, but that, that kind of, you know, there's a fate that's linking them deeper than whatever circumstance you can imagine that would seem convenient. That could be like a, a, a sort of a more cultural approach to storytelling at a certain mm. level too. Um, yep. 
because it, it does the way that that sort of it's almost saccharine that ending after all of this grit Absolutely. and viscera that you've seen that like he gets the the letter and the oh and she's there and she's golden lit and all that stuff is um but i think i think the argument being made is that there's like a destiny or a deeper cosmic fate at play in their lives there because these are three people torn apart by war who have no association with each other who are brought together by destiny yeah and like you're right and there is definitely like the darker version of this is that they both they both are dead and that kid is left <laughs> but but and She's that and live that, with that awful old lady across the street who immediately hates her and then is like but like oh fine here's here's some money go here's some rice go make some rice curd like just like get out of my face you old you crazy kids with your babies um no she um there is a darker but you're right that like kind of saccharine ending is is very saccharine but yes like the fact that was the thing that was a little tough for me about having her die quote unquote was that in the middle of the movies that was like well no they were supposed to be this like this family they were supposed to be there were these three lost souls who found each other and the fact that they do end up together at the end after after what just happened which was like the people coming together to solve their problems outside of the government and now it's i mean God, what a great freaking movie, man. <laughs> go like, see it in a movie theater. Just a, go. what a great, great freaking movie. I mean, just like, I seriously, like to me, it goes like Barbie, the best movie I've seen all year, period. Barbie, not even close. Second is probably Theater Camp. And this is like right behind, this is one of the best movies I've seen all year, period. Might be one of the best movies I've seen in the best couple years, like up on top, like there. It's so freaking good. Is It's hard to argue against it. And literally, just as a movie going experience was something else really really yeah. appreciate how much effort and work went into delivering me that that experience uh, sitting yeah. there in the movie theater it, it's it and it, it showed a lot of restraint i don't know just something else it's very 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 good great 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 movie uh is it star wars or star trek this is a question for you <laughs> it's a very 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 hard question to answer it uh, is i think it might be a dune I think it's something that like is too emblematic of something better than the other two. It's its own more toward its own thing. Yeah. I wouldn't even know. I mean, the closest thing I would maybe say it is, is and, or maybe like, so that might in terms of like a story that is, that is operating within a genre space, but it's telling it, but kind of doing its own thing that's based in character. So that I think, yeah. I guess it's I guess it's Star Wars question mark, but it's definitely but, rocking its own thing for sure. The the big idea space of it though is very Star Trek. The allegorical nature of yes. it is very Star Trek. Um, yeah, wow. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that that in yeah, and it's and it's bone deep sci fi like Star Trek is not not star star wars is way too fantastical lead. Yeah, this is this is extremely grounded and 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 not a lot of like fun. Not not a lot of fun happening in this movie like you know like whimsy no. there's no whimsy there's no we don't have like a han solo this is this is serious stuff happening but you have in great, fun in, in a great your, way in with your butt in the seat uh but nobody yeah. in the movie ever the godzilla stuff is fun, fun man 
Yeah, the Godzilla stuff is super fun. Like watching people getting mashed up and him crushing into into buildings and stuff. It's super fun, man. It works. It's great. It was really cool. All right, winners, winners and losers. I feel like winners are everybody, but go ahead. Who's your big winner? Uh, Godzilla, that big meaty boy. I think he's been done a mis a disservice over the last like maybe twenty years, and I think that that this is. You know, the the post-credit sequence should have been him coming out of the, the Looney Tunes circle thing going, see, I told you. Was there a post? I know they showed him like like uh, the like piece of his body like reforming, which I'm like, of course. But it, there was nothing after the credits, right? I have no idea. I ran out of that movie theater so fast. Yeah, get me out of there. Um, that it comes out of different cultural sensibilities these days when it comes to film movie making. Yep, you're right. I think it does. Freddie Airmail just, just always dominating the chat thank you freddie airmail i'll tell you uh, yeah. what freddie airmail is always delivering and it is the crispiest takes they, yeah thank you in the airmail um yeah big winner yeah godzilla i mean holy cow i mean the 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 way that they tribute the the originality of the character and maintain the the movements but yet update him and make him um uh cool i mean it's just like you know you see him a lot of these uh, current iterations of Godzilla. They don't you they keep him from you for a long time. And there's like always a big reveal. Like they you see a lot of when Godzilla's out. Godzilla's out. Period. Like end of story. There's no like you get like little bits and pieces, but you also get enough to know that they even have like the face, like the face that they made. I mean, just, just unbelievable. Um, big loser. I mean. I, I don't I didn't miss not having Sam. I'm gonna say it. I did not miss not having Sam's boat in this movie, truly. Like I, I almost feel like it would have been a distraction. It's a you know, but for the opportunity upon opportunity to put it in there, you know, it three quarters of the movie is on water. It's an oh, easy yeah. call to make. Uh but a lot, lot of boats. It could have could have been one of the tug boats, could have been one of the tug boats at the end for sure. It it's just it's just a formality at this point. Got it. I, I don't want but I don't want to hang anything on this movie. So I'm gonna reserve you know who the loser is? Is anybody that doesn't go see this in a movie theater. 100%. Yeah, the big loser is you if you don't go watch this movie. Like, holy cow. I mean, and I know what you're thinking. Like, I don't want to watch a Godzilla movie. It's great. It's a really great movie. <laughs> I don't I don't like, I, like, Godzilla as a piece of IP, sure, it's there. I got to know about it. I'm not some big fan of the movies. They're like, I don't like so bad it's good or cheesy or whatever. So I had no, like, affinity for this going in. And it well, this was won on me... Our hundred percent. This was one on our list last year. We did turkeys. Like we did a bunch of IP that we wanted to see go away. One of them was the Godzilla <laughs> legendary franchise, like the U.S. Godzilla movies. This, if, if this is, if this is the Godzilla I get for the next fifteen years, I mean, yum yum yum. Give it to me, please. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Fantastic. All right, who's our? We got another read from uh, old old Rick Santa, Santa Rick, whatever. It's. Uncle Santa Rick Caruso and uh, the Christmas and holiday themed offerings at the, this holiday season, uh, including at Vincent's Capris for European men. Uh, we know you European dudes love wearing those weird little cargo capris <laughs> while on vacation. Vincent's Capris for European men has a special sale on holiday themed capris for European men that'll have everyone at the holiday party saying, gee, Torvald, your ankles look great. Uh, <laughs> next, we also have. You can visit the farmer's market attached to the Grove for a trip back to the Los Angeles of the 1930s when inflation caused an apple to cost like $10. And um, <laughs> Uncle Santa Rick has also promised not to take so many selfies in the women's shoe section at Nordstrom's. So that's uh, <laughs> that's just some of the things you can look forward to this holiday season at the Grove. 
Oh my goodness. It's 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 funny if it wasn't like dangerously close to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> He's the mayor right. of those toes. Yeah, he and Tarantino. You can always find Caruso or Tarantino snooping around a, a Nordstrom's Rex. <laughs> Freaking. They're the they're at the DSW looking like the guy from the neighborhood watch sign, like a fedora and like yeah, jacket all up around his neck. Oh boy. Um, all right, you know what time it is now though. Let's hit it. I still don't have it on my end. I know you got there we go. Did it that end on the right point? It was perfect. I think you got, I did it. you got one little note of the second play in there. You're getting sharper. You're getting way sharper. Oh, Freddie Amaral has a question. Which Marvel character would look best in Capris? And then, uh, <laughs> control, we said Thor. Who would look best in Capris? I Drax. mean, Drax, yeah. Captain America, that's America's ass. He'd look good in Capris. I'm thinking, um, I'm, I'm thinking, we're, what are we at? Shang-Chi looked great and he looked good in Capris. Calves wise, I'm thinking who's who'd have the best setup calves wise, and that's got typically somebody's carrying a lot of weight up top. He'll have the shapeliest calves. So <laughs> Captain Capri. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Hulk Hulk is basically already in Capri's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hulk is a Capri man. Already. Capri man. Which I mean, you've already heard. I've said it many times on this show. I don't understand why Hulk still has clothes on, but you know, it's a thing. It's amazing to me that his shirt rips, but his pants still intact. It well, makes no sense. <laughs> I'm sure if he had a penis on his chest, that shirt wouldn't rip either. Hey, oh, it's exactly right. Anyway, <laughs> taking a left turn from <laughs> I know what that means. I'm sorry. From take a left turn from chest penises. No, no, exactly what you mean. Over the Thanksgiving break, we saw the return of David Tennant as Doctor Who for the 60th anniversary special. Uh, Nakuti Gatwa was in the 15th Doctor, but when Jodie Whittaker, the 13th Doctor, regenerated, she turned into David Tennant again. Tennant, who will play Doctor Who for two specials, and then Gatwa, brilliant as Eric on the show Sex Education, were the first Doctor of Color. So, we are playing Amazing. a game called, we are playing a game called Doctor Who? <laughs> this All right. One is, this one is particularly silly, fair warning. It's <laughs> It's simple. I'm going to read a name, and you have to tell me if they played Doctor Who. Uh, there have been 19 different actors. There have been 15 doctors. Uh, 19 different actors have played him because there's been like a rogue doctor. There was uh, John Hurt did one. That's not one of the questions. Uh, it's rapid fire, though. So are you ready? Let's do it. Christopher Eccleston. Yes. Yes. Number nine, Jodie Whittaker. Yes. Number 13, John Pertwee. Yes. Number three, Martin Bartlesby. No. Nope. Barton Martlesby. Nope. Nope. Wink Martindale. Nope. Nope. Sylvester McCoy. No. Yes. Number seven. Oh. McLester Sickroy. No. Nope. Martin Bartlesby. <laughs> no. Bartwin Dicklesby. No. Yes or no? Nope. Dick Wickle Martles Roy. No. Nope. Roy Bickle Dick Mickles Roy. 
I don't think so. <laughs> nope. Patrick Trotton. Yes. Yes. Tantric Proton. <laughs> no. No. Martin Bartlesby. No. <laughs> no, you're right. Matt Damon. No. Matt Smith. Yes. Matt Damon Smith McBickle Dick Sickle Trottenby. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, once again, that was Matt Damon Smith McBickle Dick Sickle Trottenby. No. And number 19, Martin Bartlesby. <laughs> no. No. Uh, Cranjus McBasketball. Cedric Diggory. I love that. TV McTeam Face. I love these names. They're great. Fantastic. Oh. In the chat. That was Doctor Who. <laughs> oh my God. I told you that was going to be a really particularly silly one. That that was the high point of my week so far. Martin Bartlesby. <laughs> Sounds like it should be a Doctor Who. What a. I'm sure there's a character that's been on the episode of Doctor Who named Martin Bartlesby. And if not, feel free to take it. Uh, Tarkin oh. played, a, played a Doctor Who. Peter Cushing? Yeah. Uh, he was in an episode. He was, I don't think he was ever a doctor. He played an uno- he played a doctor in two movies. He's like not in, a, ah. in the official lineage, but he is a Doctor Who. I love that. I love that. Oh, I demand more of these. Oh, I'll do these name these name run games are my <laughs> favorite things in the world because they're really easy to Ooh. make and they're super stupid. Um, <laughs> all right. After that fantastic game, let's get to the uh Hoopla recommendations. Hoopla is an app where you can um <laughs> I demand a shrubbery. Thank you, pretty airmail. Oh Monty Python, baby. My kid, side note, real quick. We were watching the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade. Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's what it's called. The Macy and Gray Thanksgiving Day the Parade. The Macy Gray Thanksgiving Day Thanksgiving and turkey. Yep. I believe that turkey has brought us here. We did it. Um, <laughs> we're watching it, and they, the cast of Spamalot featuring uh, Taryn Killiam, who is playing. friend, Taryn Killiam. Yep, Taryn Killam. And uh, she we was watching it, and I was having a great day. They did a, a performance of the Knights of the Round Table. And my daughter, who's obsessed with musical theater, was like, what is this show? And I was like, oh, let's explore the word of Monty Python, shall we? And I really want to I want to expose her to the Holy Grail. So I think we're going to watch that very soon. Um, who knew and- that musical theater could be a gateway to something actually good? Oh, how dare you? <laughs> I'm just joking. I love musical how theater. How dare you? Um, uh, but this is Hoopla. Hoopla, you can put in uh, your library card for your local library, and you can check out tons and tons of comics. Uh, Alex, do you have a recommendation for the folks? Well, I, I mean, another aside, I think, you know, I like giving Hoopla a shot, a shout out, and it's a shout out for libraries and all that every week. But increasingly, we're suggesting stuff off of the platform. Oh, so I have something on the I have something on the platform. So you go wherever you go. Oh, I mean, this is a reiteration, too. But, uh, you know, watch Scavengers Reign on Max. It's all out Ooh. now, all 12 episodes. Uh, some of the best animation I've seen in a long time. Some of the best science fiction I've seen in a long time. It really goes there. It's got action. It's got human emotion. It's big. It's intimate. It's very, very, very interesting. Um, and oh, on, on Hoopla, read any of the Jonathan Hickman Avengers stuff because that'll give you a clue into what's coming next. Incursions, all that stuff. But yeah, finish yeah. Avengers Reign on Max. It's amazing. 
Love it. Um, I will be getting into my suggestion by also talking about a television show um, via a movie. There was a movie that came out. Um, I'm a big Edgar Wright person. I'm one of, my, one of my favorite filmmakers. I love the Cornetto trilogy. I love the TV show Spaced. Uh, his first American film, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I uh, Also a personal favorite film of mine. Uh, there is now a show on Netflix called Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. It is in the animation style of the comics. Scott Pilgrim started as a comic, and they've got all the original uh, actors voicing all of the characters. But it's more kind of it more sticks to the storyline in the comics. What you've got it's got Michael Sarah, it's got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Aubrey Plaza, Chris Evans, uh, Kieran Culkin, uh, Brie Larson, uh, Jason Schwartzman. They're all back voicing their characters. But you can go back on to uh, Hoopla, and you can check out Scott Pilgrim, Volume 1, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. <laughs> and I'm currently reading it, and it is absolutely delightful. And they have almost the whole run that, uh, oh yeah, my favorite favorite movie of all time. Absolutely. It's an amazing film. Um, really, really and, good. Uh, and uh, the, the show on Netflix is, I mean, more of the same awesomeness. And this is, it, it compelled me to see if they had it on Hoopla, and they did. So that's my recommendation. Go check out all the Scott Pilgrim stuff on on Hoopla. It's wonderful. Um, now we have one more ad read, right from the um, from Santa Rick, Uncle Santa Rick's Christmas at the Grove. Um, we have every Tuesday and Thursday through the month. We've got Clem, the wettest Santa. He's wet. <laughs> he's Santa, and as Clem always says, "Hey, why not?" Um, also, if you write a hundred thousand dollar check to the Caruso for mayor campaign, you can smash up everything in the Swarovski store. And, uh, for the 20th year in a row, the Grove is going to be featuring their world famous snow every evening warning by breathing in the snow. You agree to not sue the Grove or Rick Caruso for any resultant cancers or deaths or death cancers, the kind of cancer that death gets. <laughs> the snow is just asbestos. Just, just that's the that's 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 how they that's how they're able to get that real like thick consistency to it. Hey, hey, your pulmonologist wishes it was asbestos. Okay, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love the wettest Santa because hey, why not? Yeah, it's Clem. <laughs> the wettest Santa. It's and by by the way, most Santas are pretty dry, right? So like, yeah, I know. So to, to be like the wettest Santa is probably not that wet, but still, it's got to it be enough be. To where it's he it's could be, be sopping. It's got to be enough to where that's your name. It's got to be like you got to see that Santa. That's the wettest Santa I've ever seen. Holy cow! All right, hey, what did not? your what did your dogs think of the Godzilla minus one? Uh, well, my dogs, my dogs, after a couple of rounds of stuff that kept me at home, they were, you know, they were a little tapping the wristwatch and checking the clock uh, at my absence. <laughs> but uh, I gave them some treats and uh, they were all right. And now they've heard me say it and it's uh, it's their cue to attack me. That's what dogs do. Uh, my dog, um, I came home. I saw this movie very late. Not not a time I like going to the movies. It was the only time I could go. My daughter sang uh, her choir, school choir, sang at the Culver City Tree Lighting Festival last night. So seven o'clock would have been a real sweet spot, but that was when we were in peak tree lighting time. So I had to go at 10.15. Not my favorite time to go to the movies. Very hard to stay awake, but this movie made it very easy to stay awake. And um, I got home and the door was open to my bedroom. The dog had every opportunity to come running in to see how it was. And she could not even be bothered. She just stayed in the bedroom and was asleep and stayed asleep. And that was it. So she had absolutely zero Fs to give about Godzilla. But it's fine because I had plenty of them. 
That was I wrote that down. That's the one thing they did not do. They yeah. did not. It did not go. We didn't get that. That was the one thing that was missing. I wanted that. We but everything else. We got we got the bum 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 bum. Yeah. I mean, that that Godzilla that, scream is one of the most iconic sounds in yeah. history. That was that was one of the disappointments of the film. But that's I mean minuscule compared to all the wonderful things from it. Woo, we did it, Alex. Great show. Oh boy, we got it. We got where, it all going on. Where can the folks find you? It's at Duke Midnight, right above your at, head. At Duke Midnight uh, on all major uh, social media platforms and wherever major magazines are sold. Yeah, you can find me at Kenny G Stevenson on uh, Twitch and TikTok. You can find me at Kenny G Donut King on Instagram and Threads. You can also find me if you live in the Los Angeles area. The next two Fridays, I will be doing an a show called Over There at the Impro Theater. It is a fully improvised World War II story that we get one suggestion from the audience and then put on a full 45 to 50 minute fully improvised World War II story with like costumes and and names like, uh, you know, Cooper and, you know, uh, Hanks, get over here, all that stuff. It's really, it's uh, it's a lot of fun happening tonight. Tonight's opening night and I'll be in the show. I'll be in the show tonight. Ooh, so, baby. 9.30 at the Impro Theater. I'll be in the show. It's, Friday, Saturday, the next two Friday, Saturdays, I'm only in the Friday shows, but go to the Saturday shows if you can too, because it's a lot of fun. Bang. And I, and I, I'm, I'm there too. Yep. <laughs> we did it. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for watching everybody. No idea what we'll do next week. We'll do something fun though, because we do. That's what we do. I think you know, we'll figure something out and, and guess what? You'll like it. Uh, yeah. You'll eat it and you'll like it. You get what you get and you don't get upset. That's the yep. fan controlled motto. That's the fan controlled <laughs> motto. You get what not not Mary Poppins. Fan controlled. Let's just go out on that. Here we go. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. I